Here is today's email question. Hello, Pastor John. My name is Eli. I'm 21, and I'm from Philly. I have a question concerning God's sovereignty. In the Bible, it seems like a couple of times we read where God makes someone sin for the benefit of his chosen people. For example, in Exodus 7, verses 1 to 5, where we see God telling Moses and Aaron, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. And Romans 9.18, it is affirmed by saying, So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. I've spoken to many Christian brothers, even ones who are far older than I am, who seem to disagree with me time and time again that God can, in fact, make someone sin, judge them for it, and still be a righteous, good God. What I get from those conversations is that they are ultimately questioning God just as Job did, that it's not about whether God can do it or not, it's whether they, created humans, feel like it's right or not right for God, our creator, to do such things with us. So can God, in fact, make someone sin, judge them for it, and still be righteous, just, and a good God? The words that we use to describe God's causality, his causing in relation to evil make a really big difference in how people hear and respond to what the Bible teaches. Words don't make the final difference, but they do matter. Other things can hinder people from agreeing with what the Bible teaches besides just words, but but words matter. And the reason they matter is that they carry associations and connotations which uh, may be different from person to person. So we need to try to use words that carry as much truth of the Bible as possible and minimize the false connotations and associations that may rise in people's minds when they hear the words. Now, that that's an impossible task, ultimately. You, you, you can't um, make people hear what you intend if they have all kinds of associations with the necessary words that you don't intend. You can't make it happen, but we should at least try, which is why we're so dependent on the Holy Spirit in the communication of, of biblical truth, one of the reasons why. Now, the, when I say all that, I'm thinking about the phrase, can God in fact make someone sin? The word make probably for many people carries the connotation, force someone to act against his will or turn someone into a robot so that it is not really they who are sinning, but God. Now, both of those associations or connotations to the word make sin are false. So if I say uh, God makes someone sin and that, those connotations is what they hear, they have to reject what I say. They have to. They'd be right to if that's what they think I mean. Their rejection would mean God does not force anyone to sin against his will, and they'd be right. Or it would mean God does not turn anyone into a robot so that their sinning is not theirs but God's, and they'd be right. So we we need to find words that express the truth that Eli is seeing. He's really seeing in the Bible and avoid, if we can, words that carry those false connotations. 
maybe we we can't maybe we we can we should at least try if if people want to put meaning on our words or in our mouths that we don't intend we can't stop them but we can at least try to be as clear as possible so what if i said instead of make people sin what if i said god governs all things in this world and even sin is not outside his control would it get the same response maybe maybe not or what if I said, God rules the world and everything that happens in it? Or what if I said, uh, God foresees all that will come and he can stop anything he pleases from happening? Or he can permit it to happen. And if he stops it or permits it, he thus controls whether it happens. What, what if I talked like that? I think I am saying what Eli wants to say, and I think if that's what he wants to say, he's right. And clearly, in all of this, human accountability in the Bible is affirmed and sustained, and therefore God is righteous to judge all sin, either in Christ or in hell. Now, what do I base that on? So let me just give a few texts here. Number one, Ephesians 1.11, the Bible teaches that, well, I'll just read it. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Number two, the Bible teaches that Satan is the cause of many sins. But Satan is not ultimately out of God's control. He operates only by permission from God. Therefore, God can always restrain Satan, put limits on Satan to any degree he pleased. And therefore, God governs what Satan does. See Job. See Peter's denials. Uh, third, when, when Joseph's brothers in the Old Testament sold him into slavery, they sinned. Both Genesis and Psalms teach that this was planned and ordained and brought about by God. Psalm 105, God had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. God sent him. That was what happened when he was sold as a slave. And Joseph himself describes the event in Genesis 50, verse 20, when, um, when he says, as for you, you brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. It doesn't say God used it for good. They had a meaning. It was an evil meaning. God had a meaning. It was a good meaning. And he brought about salvation for the people of God and the redemption that would one day come through the seed. So yes, God was in, on, controlling, governing, bringing about what happened there. And number four, when they were in Egypt, the psalmist says, this is perhaps the most blatant statement of all of what Eli is saying, Psalm 105, verse 25, God turned their hearts to hate the people, to deal craftily with his servants. This is a strong statement of God's sovereignty, and we should receive it and assume that God can do that without removing the real willing and real responsibility of the Egyptians in sinning against Israel. And one more, this is the most important because it relates to the gospel. 
I don't think it's possible consistently to believe in the gospel if you reject that God can bring about his will by the sins of people that he governs. Because it says in Acts 4.27, truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So Herod's mockery and purple cloak, Pilate's expedient accession to the will of the mob, Israel's plotting and envy and cry to crucify him, crucify him, and the soldiers' crown of thorns, their scoffing and their gambling, all of that was sin, and all of it was planned and ruled, ordained, scripted ahead of time by God. Whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place took place at Calvary. So, I agree with what Eli means. God governs all sins, and people are responsible for those sins that they commit. It is they who will them and commit them, and God is righteous to judge them. And at the heart of this truth is the gospel of Jesus, bearing the sins of all who trust him, and there would be no glorious gospel of God without this glorious sovereignty of God. Pastor John, thank you. These are hard truths to grasp, and if you need more time and more details, be sure to see the book that John Pepper wrote on this very theme. The book is titled Spectacular Sins, and it's a book you can download for free online at desiringgod.org forward slash books. Pastor John and I return tomorrow to close out the week. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Thanks for listening to the Ask Pastor John podcast.